Hey everyone, this is Henry Finn, aka Star Lordy of Oni Force, the blue chip project that will always be coming back and delivering beautiful Web3 experiences. I'm on the edge of NFT, the bluest blue chip podcast around. Stay tuned. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Oni Force is taking its unique style on a comeback tour to prove their commitment to greatness. Plus, learn how much today's guest values his reputation as an asset that surpasses any physical wealth. Finally, hear about MetaGood's Dimensions 10K project inscribed on Bitcoin and why it's so special. And before we move forward, don't forget that our Outer Edge LA event recently returned to Los Angeles in March of 2023. You can now catch up on all the discussions, presentations, and more by heading over to watch.outeredge.live and registering with just your email address. Then you'll have access to over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Binge watchers are welcome. Netflix, watch out. We'll see you inside. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Henry Finn, aka Star Lordy, the CEO at the helm of the billion dollar brand Oni Force. This is a unique opportunity to get acquainted with the mastermind behind a company making significant strides in its industry. Before launching into the Web3 space with Oni Force, initiating the first anime and sideways PFP project, Henry Finn crafted a successful career in a commercial film and TV production. With a 15 year of experience under his belt, he partnered with notable brands such as Nike, Samsung, and Google. The vision that OniForce holds for the future of NFT ownership is cross-platform integration. They foresee a boundaryless digital social network. Henry Finn, Star Lordy, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you here. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's been a minute since Outer Edge LA. It was great to have you part of that. And there's so much history on this show and context around sort of real projects that have like long roots in the space that are continuing to evolve. And so I'm really excited. Fun fact, the last time we had Oni Force on was episode 60. So we've been through, I don't know, gosh, over 170 episodes since then. So it's been a minute. Nice. Very glad to be on. Excited. Yeah. So we have a lot to catch up on. But for those folks that maybe haven't listened to every Edge of NFT episode in history, there are some. I met one of them in VCon. Why don't you sort of tell us a little bit more about the background for Oni Forest and this groundbreaking approach to art, storytelling, and technology? Where did this all begin and where does it fit into the space today? That's a great question. Oni Force was the first anime PFP project, first sideways PFP the first to create and use the allow list as it's now known. And it was really the first project to really use storytelling and art as a key part of its ethos as a PFP project. I mean, there was other little things like first to use lo-fi music in the discord, like things like that. But I think at its core, it was really all about the art and the storytelling and that's something that really set it apart in the early days. It minted, for people that don't know, it minted right after Bored Apes. So, you know, it was a massive hit and it sold out in the five minutes and was an original blue chip project. And so I think the beauty of it is that where we're at today is nothing's really changed. I mean, we're actually still all about the storytelling and the art. That's still a core part of the DNA, what makes us tick, what is kind of one of our biggest value drivers for the community. And so now with the new ownership group and team that we have in place, it's really more about taking that mission and actually executing it in a big way. Yeah, very unique ideas. And it's funny, we're going to talk about a comeback tour and we can talk up here about reminiscing as Josh just did. It's funny in this space to kind of reminisce about, oh, way about 
12 months ago or so, or 18 months ago, <laughs> uh, back when we were, but we children in this whole development. But yeah, you guys are doing this comeback tour. I'm curious if you could shed some light on what exactly this entails and how listeners can get involved. Yeah, that's great. I guess to continue the history of Oni Force, after being such a major success early on, it was also one of the first or early blue chip projects to fail or to take a tumble in a lot of ways. I came on in late January, early February of 2021 as the project manager. And by the time I came on, it had dropped from 7 ETH to 0.2 floor. So you can imagine how tough that was for the community involved and kind of its place in Web3 in a lot of ways. And, you know, we hung in there for a good year where I think all of the diehard fans knew that this was a valuable brand, that it still had a lot of importance in the space. But obviously, because of the previous ownership group and kind of the mismanagement of the brand, a lot of people in the space had written it off. But the funny part is when I came on board over a year ago, I mean, I was, a, first of all, I was a huge fan of the art from day one. I mean, I'm Complex's art still holds up. It's still one of the top PFP art projects in the game. And so just as an outsider, initially, I was a huge fan. And I think that's what really kept our community together is like this really strong belief that there was something there. And so I remember when I first... And also the community itself was just legendary in terms of the value that it brought in the early days and the type of talent that we attracted. And so I still felt that that passion and that faith and belief was there amongst our core community. So I remember probably in my first or second town hall way back when I proclaimed that we would be the greatest comeback story in Web3. And this is while we're still at point two. <laughs> you know, So I think there was probably a lot of people who laughed at me for that. But actually, the people who are the core members of the community, I think they actually believed that was possible if we could get certain things right. And so we really hung in there for a year until we got through the acquisition. And now that we have this brand new fresh start and opportunity, I mean, what else would we call it? It is the comeback tour. I mean, like we're here, we never left. And now the space is finally noticing. And so for us, the comeback tour is kind of like a way to one, give a lot of acknowledgement to our core community, the people that supported us, that really suffered for that time period. Because you could imagine if at one point, anytime brought up Oniforce, there would instantly be memes about us or people dunking on us or people just like writing us off. That's hard for a community to bear, to go out there and see that in the discords and the Twitters and stuff. And so I think it was really painful in a lot of ways. It really showed their faith in the brand. And so this tour is definitely for them to kind of have that moment that they deserve where they can feel vindicated for supporting. But also, I think in a broader sense, everybody loves a comeback story. I mean, it's just almost like ingrained in our DNA, right? There's something special about that. I think that the vast majority of us can identify with. So we've kind of expanded the theme of it to include anybody who's ever felt outcasts or doubted or have ever had like their own challenges in life. I think we want it to be inspirational so that people can see like, hey, like if we could come back, then pretty much anybody has a, ch a chance to. And I think that's what the comeback tour is all about. Yeah. And Ethan mentioned a year. It's been like at least a year and a couple months. So that's like 10 years in Web3. But I appreciate sort of the nuance there in terms of a place for everyone to, that appreciates this type of art and Maybe you could tell us a little bit more in terms of what the DNA of the art in the community really comes down to. Like, I know you're a little bit biased, but you've been on the outside and you've been on the inside. What is so special about this vision that sort of attracts such a, a wide swath of, of folks? That's actually a really great question because that's something I've been thinking about very deeply for a long time now. And we call ourselves the first anime PFP project because we are, but... One day I saw like a lineup of like anime projects of just the PFPs in a grid. And it's like, 
I realized something interesting is that the art by RM complex is like, it's very unique, actually. Like if you put it like against other anime projects, it's kind of odd in a way. Like it's not fully anime in the same way that some of the other projects are. I mean, for people that don't know, it was like greatly inspired by the art of gorillas. Like you could see it in the mouth and the teeth and like the shape of the jaw. And like, and so like what I really came to realize is like, and I call I am complex, the Tarantino of like PFP artists, because like there's something about him that his knowledge is so deep in all of the areas of art and anime and manga and comics and gaming and fashion and it's like toys i mean once you really start talking to him it's crazy how knowledgeable shoes you know all that stuff like he literally knows the history of all of those things he knows how to make that his attention to detail is really crazy the reason why i call him the tarantino of pop artists is like he somehow manages to combine all of these different aesthetic things into one package that is uniquely his so it's like even to this day, like you can't find one project out there that looks like Oni Force, actually. Like you can't even find one. Like, and we're talking about how many tens of thousands of projects have launched since then. And I think that uniqueness is what attracts a lot of special talent. People who know art, who appreciate art, can really appreciate the quality of it. I mean, I'm not joking. Like there were are times where I would just sit and pull up the collection because I'm, a, you know, I really love art. And so I would just pull up the collection and just stare at it and like zoom in on it and look at the way he did the lines or the way he did the shading on hairline or like the way he does shadows and stuff. It's just like really immaculate. And I think that kind of in great art, like those invisible things that influence the artists kind of speak to people somehow. And so it's just resulted in us naturally attracting like really top level talent in every field in Web3. And so we want to continue that and kind of turn ourselves into a home for artists because of that, you know? Yes. Um, you know, that's one of the sort of catch 22s of great art and being a great artist. You oftentimes the greatest are the ones that invest themselves so deeply in the details and it's easy to get lost in the details and get lost in the shuffle in terms of getting the exposure that you might deserve as an artist but that tends to be the pattern it's kind of a venn diagram it's like those that pay that close attention to detail tend to be among those that are treasured and revered but not everybody that pays that close attention to detail gets that kind of reverence and attention so yeah, it's cool to see it, but and it's a great investment to know that I have complexes is doing that kind of investment in, in the work and the understanding of the history and art and all those aspects of things. So you mentioned bringing talent to the project. Of course, there's talent involved and advisory as well, and those things are key to the growth of it. But, you know, as you're sort of steering the ship here, how do you plan to recruit new talents and advisors here that help bring things to life? You know, there's a famous Kobe line when they asked him, how do you recruit people to the Lakers? And he said, if you want first place, come with us. If you want second place, go with whoever you want or something like that. And that's kind of the pitch is like, we really believe ourselves to be one of the greatest like art PFP projects. The art still stands up. But more importantly, we love artists, actually. Like we genuinely love creators, like not just artists, but developers marketers, like storytellers, writer, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if you're in the game of creating something for Web3, like we want you. I think for us, we really celebrate at our core, like the people similar to honestly, Edge of NFT, like how you said in the beginning of the intro, it's like for all the people that are actually want to be pushing the space forward, that are innovators that like care about the technology and the art and all that stuff. Like we actually want to build a home. And so I think the pitch is like for talent is like, if you want a place where you're going to be able to shine, where you're going to be celebrated for what you are excellent at and given the resources and the network to actually be seen, kind of like you also said, like, there's a lot of great artists out there and a lot of them like have all the ingredients on paper, like whether it's paying attention to detail or asking why or having the technical skills, but somehow a lot of artists fall through the cracks. And I think for us, 
we want to provide that place where artists actually get a chance to be seen and heard. And so that's kind of our main pitch for talent is like, not only will you have the best chance to kind of develop your web three career with us, but also you're going to feel so much love and appreciation. It's like, you're not going to want to go anywhere else. And actually the last thing I'll say is we're also very open and collaborative. So I think the way that we work with people is like, we really give them a chance to do what they want and be who they want to be as artists. And it's not so much about like directing them or controlling their work, but just more like providing a place for them to like a playground. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate all of that. And definitely that's what we've tried to be as well as a place for all the different types of creators and builders in the space to come together and sort of create something bigger than themselves. Right. So switching ownerships is not something to be taken lightly. It's a pretty big deal. Obviously, a lot could go wrong. A lot can go right. Would love to sort of better understand what the new ownership DNA is all about. How did this come about and how you guys are working with this new ownership group? Absolutely. So the new ownership group is a consortium of people led by OFR, which stands for Old Fashioned Research. That's a fund that was created by the ex-CFO of Binance. His name is Wei Zhu, and he has the Binance Labs team as part of OFR plus other partners. Also partly owned by Ultra, who is the COO of Yield Guild Games. And so we have a group of like heavy hitters, <laughs> like the people from OFR are have been referred to as the greatest M&A group in crypto history. I mean, they created Binance Labs, they've acquired hundreds of projects and companies. You know, Wei himself has been CFO of two publicly traded companies. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, I mean, this ownership group, I now that I've worked with them since February, I honestly believe that when it's all said and done, they're going to be looked at as one of the greatest, if not the greatest ownership group in NFT history, because I mean, just the level of experience and like resources and network. And I mean, we've done more business development in three months than a lot of projects do in a whole year. And we're like, just getting started. Like, it's crazy. Like for me, <laughs> like to be part of this, I think the main thing though, that I want to call out is that the original founders deserve a lot of credit for getting us to this point because even though they were much aligned for their mistakes, at the end of the day, I mean, first of all, you have to imagine like the mental health situation that for a year, pretty much you are being slammed on, getting death threats, you know what I mean? Like just getting really abused by a, a lot of toxicity and they held on. And to the very last moment, their whole mission was to find a ownership group or owner that was going to be able to take this brand to the next level. I mean, that was actually when I first came on board and I interviewed each of the founders individually, that was actually the one thing that they all had in common that they all said to me was that they really love this project. They believe in the community. They really are proud of what they started and they really wanted to make sure that whatever home they could find for it would be somebody that actually could deliver and take this brand to the place that it deserves to be. And again, to their credit, like they selected this group and I mean, they made the best choice. And so they have now given us opportunity to go to the next level. And so this ownership group, I think what makes them special isn't really like a lot of people have money, actually, like money is not the answer, <laughs> to be honest. Like the thing that I think that sets this group apart is that they actually share the values of this community. They have the mission that is important to us. When they first came on, their pitch to us was that they just want to continue what we have already started, which is focusing on the art and the storytelling and allowing us to do that. And they've proven like true to their word. Like they've given us the resources and support and they've only enhanced what our mission is. So I think that's what makes this group really special is like a actual understanding of what's important. When they bought the project, they referred to it as a community buyout because they kind of, they factored in the community itself as part of how they valued 
this company. And so that's what makes this group special. I think even for me, I was probably going to leave after the acquisition just because I have my own ambitions and stuff. But after meeting Wei and the team, I realized it would be really silly for me to leave and miss this opportunity to work with them. And there's a famous line now that when he had sent an email before the acquisition was done, he had said that he really wants this project to be positive and create hope in this space and be a light for the industry. And at the end of the email, he wrote, love is love. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's cool. Like, that's my kind of guy. Like, that'll keep me, you know, and that's literally the moment where I was like, okay, I'm sticking around and I want to be part of this journey. So I think that's what makes it special. And such a beautiful and candid answer to my question. I really appreciate all of that. And I don't think everyone understands the amount of heart and conviction that goes into creating a project like this, because you're essentially, to your point, you couldn't be more open and vulnerable than birthing a PFP project in the early stages, right? It's kind of like having a child, but having like see-through glass doors and windows and the entire world just examining what you're doing, raising that child, like every second of the day, right? I mean, that's the amount of pressure that goes into running a community in those early days where people have made a substantial investment of money. Maybe folks that to buy this art that they love with expectations and hopes and dreams that it comes to something bigger than what it was when they got into the mix, right? And you never really know what's going to happen there. But yet, those expectations only increase over time. So shout out to the original crew, a lot of love to them. A lot of them have come to our events and are in the community and and really appreciate you sharing what you've done as a result of sort of being so inspired. So thanks for that. Absolutely. The one thing I'll add to that, it's like, that's a great analogy. It's like, if everybody was judging you every second of raising a baby, but they also expect that baby to be Michael Jordan when it grows up. So it's like... Okay, like it's not easy. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. We're going to get to our quick hitters. It's going to be really fun, I'm sure. But um, would love to artist collabs, other features we might want to look out for. Oh, man, so many. <laughs> I mean, just so everybody's clear what our mission is, is we want to be like the greatest kind of cross-platform storytelling experience birthed out of Web3. So comic books, anime, manga, gaming live events like we want to make sure that our brand grows in all of those areas so we've put together key partnerships in each area to push us forward s tier project like for instance we brought on hitcham habji who is the former principal at riot games who's responsible for a lot of brand development for valorant overwatch like things like that we brought on David Uslan, whose family owns the film rights to Batman. His dad produced the first Batman movie, and he's got like a ton of experience developing IP and is really helping us expand our distribution and our development options. So, only Force movie. No, just kidding. I'm... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's been the rail from day one. And actually, we're way closer than I would have thought, actually, just in the sense of like the moves that we're putting together are like going to help us leapfrog in a lot of ways. So you could expect more partnerships in those key areas, whether it's, again, like comics, manga, anime, gaming, fashion, lifestyle. I think those are kind of like the core intersection of our group community. And yeah, so we're going to be making a lot of more announcements around those areas. Cool. Yeah, very excited about that. And man, we'll have to keep you in the mix in the future as more of these announcements come out. What's the closest thing on the roadmap that of all that stuff that you shared? That's Comic-Con. So Comic-Con is going to be a huge moment for us. We were the first NFT project to premiere there. We're going to be the first to return with our own comic book line. I think that we're going to be making a lot of announcements and reveal a lot of cool things. So I think people who have been following this comeback tour should expect July to be a lot of fireworks and a lot of like kind of validation to people who've been holding or have came in recently and just feel like they're part of a movement. 
Cool. Yeah, we like to close out Star Lordy with one question. You've been in the space a while. You have your sense of, of what's going on too. Are there any projects out there right now that you particularly respect and admire how they're approaching innovation in Web3? Actually, I am genuine about this. I'm not just saying this because they're part of the program today, but I have been exposed to OnChain Monkey early on and they were very good at building like a core community that supported them in the early days. And then what they've been doing with even like BTC, I think is very interesting. And so they, they are actually a project that we kind of watch to see like what they're investing in, how they're developing things. So, I mean, maybe that's top of mind because of that, but that is actually legitimately like a project that we look at and would love to work with. Well, you get to watch up close again today. Yeah, exactly. We'd, we'd love to even collab with OnChain Monkey, that sort of thing. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Very cool. Well, I appreciate all that insight. And it's time to move on to Edge Quick Hitters. Edge Quick Hitters is a fun and quick way to get to know you a little better. There are 10 questions and we are looking for just a short, single or few word response but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Comic book, Spider-Man. <laughs> Very appropriate. By the way, speaking of comebacks, and you had mentioned the Batman franchise, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole movie, but Birdman, have you guys seen Birdman? I love Birdman. That was one of the greatest films I've seen in a long time. And that was Michael Keaton's comeback, actually. He almost won an Oscar, but it's good to see him be Batman again. It's pretty full circle in a lot of ways. Yeah, I only get to start the movie. I got to finish it up. It's very intriguing. All right, next question. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Also a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, trading them comic books, supporting liquidity in the comic book market. Did you go to your dealer or was there a little bit of arbitrage there to someone in your school or something? It was arbitrage to a friend like that. We lived next door and we both like bought comic books. And so we would trade and sell them to each other with our lunch money and stuff like that. So any recollection of who got the better of that deal of your first comic book set? <laughs> it was definitely me. I'm kind of guilty about that now because I think I just like overpitched the comic books. I was like, this is going to be like a man, blah, blah. And I don't know. He just like bit on it. And so I feel like I got in trouble, actually. I'm pretty sure like his mom was like, what happened to your comic books or something? And like I ended up with like more somehow or whatever. And I don't know. But I kind of got accused of racketeering as well. I set up a handheld video game arcade on my porch and charged all the kids in my neighborhood. And eventually it wasn't the fact that the kids didn't want to pay. They were happy to pay. It was the parents that weren't particularly happy with that operation. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I think some kids are like just naturally entrepreneurs or naturally like hustlers early on. And Parents, other parents don't like that, I guess. But. We got to make sure they next time that happens, give them a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and maybe they'll change their perspective. All right. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh, man. When I was in Japan, I ended up buying lots of like little toys and figures and like merchandise because we were 
in Japan to just kind of be inspired and make sure that we really connected with the roots of anime and stuff. And so we were really paying attention very closely to how IPs develop products and stuff like that. So it started off as research and then I just ended up buying a bunch of stuff. So yeah. Nice. I hope you also research the food because they have some amazing food in Japan. Oh yeah. The happy belly for sure. Like I ate a lot. I definitely gained weight for in Japan. Nice. Even those like purple sweet potatoes at the convenience stores are so good. All right. What is the most recent thing you sold? Oh, that's a good question. I don't sell my NFTs, so I haven't sold any of those. Actually, during the pandemic, I was, again, I guess on brand, I was slanging comic books. I started an online retail store. And so I was selling comic books left and right, Facebook, like OTC and all that stuff. And so I sold a bunch of my collection. To this day. All right. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? Is it a comic book? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not... A sad story is actually I um, also out of the pandemic is I had a mold problem in my house. And so I ended up having to get rid of my entire collection. (laughs) So I'm starting from scratch there. You know, this might sound, I don't know how this is going to come off, but when you ask that question, my first instinct is I feel like my most prized possession is like my reputation. I think when I came into the space, I already knew that like Gary V said, like way back was like 99% of projects are going to fail. And like, when I looked at how the economics or Ponzi-nomics of the space was operating in, I felt like that was wrong in a lot of ways. And we kind of see that just in terms of how many projects have, like, if you're a project that has good intentions and you just failed, that's fine. But there's so many rugs and people out there that just take advantage of their names and like use that to suck out liquidity from people. And it's created a really bad reputation in the greater world. Like I remember I was having lunch with a friend and I was explaining what a rug is. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, you mean embezzlement? And I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. That's how the other people look at it, you know, like it's not like a cute word. And I think like we kind of look away from that stuff too casually. And so for me, it's like, you know, my mom told me when I was young, like when you say things like that's your credit and then your actions pay that off, that becomes your reputation. And so I think I've been very careful to make sure that. I'm just authentically me. Like I'm not a saint or anything. I'm still a degen, <laughs> but like I actually care about people and I want people to win. And so I don't know, for some reason, that's what popped in my head when you asked. And at the same time, physical things disappear. Like I'm not actually a very materialistic person. And so at the end of the day, like the way I look at it is like, can you just look at yourself in the mirror? Can you just sleep soundly? Like that's all that really matters to me. Sure thing. Yeah, that's a good answer. I don't think we've had that particular reputation answer before. We have people on the show, some nature of their project, they're anonymous, for example. But it is nice to have people's faces here and to know that they're standing behind what they're doing. And that if there was some sort of reputation to be lost, it's lost by a human being, not a an avatar of some sort. I mean, I think you could be anonymous and still have a great reputation. I wish I could be anonymous, to be honest. Like, But when I came into this project after what happened, I was like, there's no way I could do this anonymously. Like, I have to be docs because otherwise the community won't trust me. And so I think it's just, again, it's reputation is a function of behavior over time. Yeah, you got to have that time investment, right? If you look at someone like who's the famous Banksy, right? Banksy's developed that reputation over years and years and years, right? It's affiliated with a with a pseudonym, but it's attached to something meaningful. All right, let's go to the next one. Number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, or experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? I don't actually buy too many things these days. It's kind of odd. Honestly, if I could, I would just buy a ton of Oni. Like I would love to own be a whale in my own project i fun fact i've actually literally never bought an oni that i didn't end up just giving away as a gift so i technically only own one oni out of the entire collection but because i know how successful that we're going to be if i could i would buy like a hundred right now (laughs) so 
Yeah. Is that a selfish answer? I don't know. That's your answer. Your answer is your answer. That's my answer. <laughs> Fair enough. It's the next one, Josh. Yeah. All right. That was good. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Wow. Now I have to be self-aware, huh? <laughs> I think you checked that box. I mean, I went through a long journey to find myself, to be honest. And I was very nihilistic when I was young. And one day it just clicked that life is actually really beautiful and that people are beautiful. Like we all deserve love. And so I would say if I were to pass on one thing is just to have faith and love for humanity. I think especially in this day and age, it's so easy to be cynical and it's so easy to judge each generation as it shows up. And I don't like that. It's like, if you were to look at like a kid or something in in their formative years, if you were saying every day to them, like, you suck, like, you're awful, like, you're like, that would make it really hard for them to grow up in a positive manner. And so I think like, we should actually be supporting the next generations. Because I think when I look at the next generations, I think that they're incredible, like what they could do. I think the space is truly like, part of that, like, you, you think about how many like the average age of people in the space that are doing like really crazy innovative stuff that's going to end up influencing like all of reality someday. It's like really incredible. The spread of you could be 19 years old or you could be 50 years old, you know, like it doesn't matter. And I think that's what brings us together. And so I would say just having some faith for the future would be like my answer. I love that. And if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Probably workaholism. I don't think people should (laughs) work as much as I do. Potentially, I think they should also enjoy life a little bit more. Are you a millennial? I am a millennial, yeah. (laughs) You're an outlier for the millennials in terms of that. Most. I'm like a grandpa millennial. I'm like right on the edge of Gen X and millennials. So I think I am a little bit of an outlier, I guess. Hang out with more millennials and maybe you'll have some perspective there. But I hear you and I suffer from the same illness there. Clearly, yeah. (laughs) All right. Question number nine. Easy one. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was sleeping because I'm in Bali. So it was like six something when I woke up. And so I like took a shower, (laughs) did some stretches, took a shower, put on a fresh face. And that was what I did before. Perfect. Well, we appreciate that. All right. And then the next question is the opposite there. What do you plan on doing after the podcast recording? I have more meetings and then I'm probably going to take a quick nap, but I don't know, just meetings and calls. And we have a really big announcement coming up or space coming up. So we'll be focusing on that. All right. Well, maybe you'll dream of me and Josh and your little nap there on some sort of Batman adventure or something. You know, they have those. I feel like I've seen those. It's like Dan Brown or something. This guy who's like a magician and like he does these special things where like he puts you in a room and talks to you for a little bit and basically influences what you're going to dream about. (laughs) I'm supplanting a little dream in your head. It's me, Josh and you in Batman costumes, just making an Oni Force movie. That's going to be what it is. I've got a great guy in Bali that we know to introduce you to, Star Lordy. So I'll make the introduction via email after the show. That would be great. I'm looking for people to connect with while I'm out here. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership 
not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Let's check in here on our fun new recurring segment where we own, yes, we own and manage our own Web3 digital basketball team. That's right. Gary V, look out. Brought to us by Swoops. Swoops is a blockchain-powered basketball simulation game. It allows users like you and me to own and operate a 100% unique team, enter real money contests with their squads, and win daily cash prizes. And we are very excited. We got through our first season and we did not win the Swooper Bowl. We did not even enter, but we have agreed it's time to move on, look forward. We've minted some new players that have pretty high star ratings. And it looks like season one, as of this recording, starts tomorrow. It is our time to shine. Yeah, we're ready. Look, we took some bumps, we took some bruises, but we learned a lot, right, Ethan? And at the end of the day, education is power when it comes to sort of the next swipe at success. And I'm feeling good about our chances moving forward. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Swoops 100% sold out for that second consecutive mint. Congrats, guys. Yeah, I'm not surprised, right? Like they put together a really cool, elegant approach to simulating basketball. It's fun. They're using blockchain and NFTs to the fullest. So kudos to you guys for selling out. And we're looking into how the preseason works here and having some fun. They've reset all of the preseason stats and the squad's road to the next Super Bowl begins here. So what do you think, Josh? Do you think we're going to do it? Are we going to make it? We're a pretty competitive crew here. I, I feel like it's you always got to root for the underdog. Yeah, look, we've made some off-season adjustments to the lineup. I'm feeling much better about our team. No disrespect to our original crew, but they needed a little bit more help. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. We have a four-star new player, a couple three-star new players. We had a bunch of one-stars and a five-star. So we were kind of like lopsided. And now we're filling things out, looking to maybe do some trades, play around with what's possible. What do you say we like look into what it's like to play a preseason game? You want to try that out? Yeah, yeah. I'm totally down. And by the way, the trading market's hot. Looks like someone offered a six-year veteran for an up-and-coming player, Jason Tatum. So definitely some interesting stuff going on in the trading market if, if someone has a few minutes to check out. But yeah, let's get into it, man. Let's test the market and see what's out there. Hey, guys, I'm here in preseason trying to figure out how to stack my lineup and get some practice in. Let's give Swoopster2793 a chance to see what he can do. And then we got to pick some free agents. So... I've got a guard here. Let's get a guard that can strong and assist. This guy blows everyone else out of the water. Free agent six, you're up for, for that. And then maybe someone strong on just overall scoring gets it done. And this guy seems to do that. Free agent three, you're up. All right. It's time to find a forward, you know, maybe a forward that is really good at rebounds. Oh, we got free agent six. On our guard for or just a straight up forward. Free agent 21 coming in strong too. Let's give him a shot. And then at center, maybe someone that can block. There's a couple options here, the same blocking results. And then this guy has a much higher field goal percentage, probably dunks a lot. That sounds fun. Let's go with him. All right, I'm submitting my lineup. We'll see how this goes. Josh, that was pretty fun. I mean, to be honest, it's fun to like, get the opportunity now that we have more than five players to see what it's like to pick players. Actually in that preseason, interesting, we could only pick one of our own players and we got to play with some other free agents and kind of see what it's like to pick from what's available and imagine new players on our team. I think before we wrap, I think it'd be great to 
put something out about naming our new player. So let me do a quick screen share here. Let's show us what we got. So we already named Tron Stockton. We already named Chris Polytron. Thanks to our fans out there on the socials for helping out with some Twitter polls. So I think we're going to head up next to our highest rated players at the moment beyond those two is Swoopster2794. I think we'll come up with some names. Uh, we'll put out a poll on the Twitter. We'll see what you guys think. And it should be pretty fun. Let's do it. All right, great. That concludes our segment on swoops this time around. The fun is just beginning once again. And if you're interested in playing with us, you can always go over to OpenSea and pick up some swoopsters and put your own team together. You can go to playswoops.com to play with us. And if you need a coupon codes, it's edge of NFT. And now on to hot topics. Today's hot topic features Danny Yang of MetaGood. Danny is co-founder and chief executive officer of MetaGood. He holds a PhD in computer science from Stanford and a BA from Harvard. He previous, I think I've heard of those. He previously founded MyCoin, Taiwan's largest cryptocurrency exchange, and Blockseer, a blockchain analytics company sold in 2018, which is one of the first visual block explorers for Bitcoin and Ethereum. He also founded the Stanford Bitcoin Meetup in 2013. Danny's expertise and passion have played a pivotal role in the success of Medigood's groundbreaking project, Donchain Monkey. As a first 10K NFT PFP collection created in a single transaction on Ethereum and the first 10K inscribed in Bitcoin, Onchain Monkey has made waves in the crypto space and exemplifies Danny's dedication, pushing the boundaries of technology and social impact. Danny, welcome to Edgeman NFT. Hi, great to be here. Great to have you. It's an honor to have you, man. I feel like our paths have crossed with OnChain Monkey so many times from originally having Bill and Amanda on the show to falling in love with the project. And I should say for full disclosure, we do hold officially OnChain Monkeys and really excited about what you guys are doing in this space. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. So what's the hot topic today? <laughs> you tell us, man. You guys are just like pioneering the biggest way with the Ordinals protocol on this Dimensions collection, right? We've heard about it. We've read the blog post, but tell us about it in your own words. It's a really big deal. All right. Yeah. Bitcoin Ordinals. I mean, that is definitely is a hot topic today. I mean, Bitcoin you know, has been around for a number of years. And in terms of crypto, right, it is like the you know blockchain that has been around with the biggest network. And now... We we're seeing basically, you know, NFTs being that market, the whole NFT market appearing on Bitcoin, right? We saw it on Ethereum, we saw it on other chains, right? You could say like there was on Ethereum, right? One of the big things was ICO craze a couple of years ago. That was ERC twenty. Then it was ERC seven twenty one with NFTs, the recent cycle. And you haven't seen either of those play out on Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin ordinals what it empowers is stuff like that on Bitcoin. And we're going to see a lot of growth and applications and new stuff happening on Bitcoin and Bitcoin or So Bitcoin or those, so for, I guess, people who are, haven't paid too much attention, it's a quite new protocol that came out that lives on top of Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin protocol. And it allows you to, so, so there's basically two parts to it. There's an ordinal and there's an inscription. And what it allows, and it's a very simple design on top of Bitcoin. And what it allows people to do is basically create you could say NFTs, but it's a different type of NFT. It is an NFT that is all on chain. You could argue it's a digital artifact. It's not one where you point to, let's say, IPFS or another centralized server somewhere that hosts an image. So that's a pretty important distinction. And when you think about it, like Bitcoin and fungible tokens are actually all on chain because they live on chain, right? The representation of Bitcoin is all on Bitcoin. It is not in, like in a bank somewhere out in the world. The blockchain speaks the truth there. And with digital assets on Bitcoin using Oranos, these are all on-chain digital artifacts. So it's a new protocol. People are experimenting with it. So for on-chain monkey, I guess my background, I've been working in the Bitcoin space for a number of years. I mean, I'm a, you could say I'm a original Bitcoin maxi who went on to experiment with other chains too. But I built on Bitcoin for the most part of my crypto career. And Bitcoin... The blockchain actually is the white paper's eight page is very simple, describes like an elegant system. And 
is purposely, the scripting language purposely reduced so that it maintains its security design, security model. And you can't do too much with it. But with Oracle Protocol, you could do enough and you could do it simply. And so when we saw this come out, we actually have been working on a 3D generative collection, basically dimensions, actually for a number of months since, since last year, even before Ordinals existed. We were planning to do it as an on-chain collection on Ethereum. Uh, but as soon as we saw Ordinals, we said, this is where we're going to basically, it's, it's like the perfect medium to do this generative work on Bitcoin. So we actually quickly adjusted it, basically kind of redesigned it so redesigned dimensions on Bitcoin and actually in a Bitcoin native way, it's actually even better on Bitcoin than original on Ethereum. And it supports a number of things that we'll reveal pretty soon about dimensions. What's special about dimensions actually what's great about enabling other creators to create on Bitcoin. So dimensions is, so it's going back to dimensions. It's a 3D generative art collection on Bitcoin for those. We had a application process for people to mint the first 300 of those. And that closed last Friday. We got a pretty big response. Over 6,000 people applied for it for the 300 spots. And the mint will be on June 15th. So in two weeks, we'll have the mint for those. And that should be a pretty exciting period. The work itself actually pushes the boundaries of what you can do with the Ordos Protocol today. In fact, you can't do what we're doing with the Ordos Protocol today yet. We've been working with both the Ord team and you know, wallets and marketplace and you know, the ecosystem to help advance the protocol so that we can actually do more powerful things on Ornos protocol. So dimensions, the work itself, we inscribed back in February. So it's been four months since we created the original work. And basically in two weeks, the basic Ornos protocol, the Eagleson will be ready for us to actually mint it and have people own those unique pieces. Well, and can everyone participate in the mint? Or I know there's something that has to do with owning the set of the Genesis on-chain monkeys. How does that all fit into the picture? Yeah, so that's a good question. The collection, we're doing a special mint of the first 300 on June 15th. And that is straight on Bitcoin and also a unique Bitcoin minting experience. So that's where we took the applications that we we said we got a bunch in. So those people applied, 300 will get a chance to mint that. And then for other people, you can buy it on secondary. It'll be available on secondary right on June 15th. Then there's going to be, for OCM holders, on-chain monkey holders, there's an additional supply of these that will be we create over time. It's kind of like, if you're familiar with on-chain monkey, we, we have a desserts, right? That it, basically the OCM Genesis, kind of OG OCM membership, PFP, they can burn a dessert to get a karma. So going to have some allocations of burnable ETH token that the OG Genesis can burn. And then those will receive a dimension when you burn that thing. So that comes later. And that process also happened over many months and probably years. So the supply will go up slowly, but it'll be capped. So there's a total cap of dimensions at 2,500, but 300 are what's minting in two weeks. Cool. Lots going on there and really jumping on something very... Intriguing here. Looks like the Asprey Bugatti A collection uses the same tech as the Dimension collection. Tell us about that connection there. That's right. So one of the things that people are slowly realizing is that how does Bitcoin work? It works because Bitcoin miners are paid to secure it by mining, right? And right now they're paid a block reward every block. But they also get paid by transaction fees. And there was a concern that Transactions fees might not be enough to pay them because a block reward is going down to halves every cycle. So at some point, it's going to be very little block reward and zero block reward for, for miners long term. So transaction fees are only paid if there's actually use of Bitcoin. And for the recent years, many Bitcoin, the main use of Bitcoin is a store of value, a secure store of value of your Bitcoin. So you don't have to transfer that back and forth all that often. So right like today, Sending Bitcoin on Bitcoin is super cheap because the transaction fees are low. But that won't be the case because of things like Ornal, where you actually have use and utility for, for Bitcoin, the blockchain, beyond just store value of your Bitcoin. And what that means, and not everyone has realized this yet, is Bitcoin fees are going to be proportional to how much use and utility Bitcoin is. And there's going to be a lot more utility uh, because of 
something like Bitcoin ordinals. So one thing is, let's say just for art, like creating art, it's a new medium for art. The art has for digital art, digital artifacts I described earlier, they have to be stored on Bitcoin on chain. How much storage is there each year? Maximum 200 gigabytes. gigabytes. In practice, it's, it's much less, probably even less than 100 gigabytes a year in practice. That is pretty much the most sought after digital real estate you could have in the world. And so people will pay for it, for it, right? The whole world will pay to use that. Right now, people haven't caught on yet. So actually, now is the best time to actually create stuff on Bitcoin because basically buying very expensive digital real estate for very cheap today. But in the future, let's say a year from now, you'll be paying appropriate market prices for, for that digital real estate. So what does that mean for what we're doing? What we're doing with Dimensions works like, you know, as we've got it, that the A collection is, this is the way that when fees are what they should be on Bitcoin, which is very high, you want to optimize whatever you're doing, whether it's art or other applications, you want to optimize how you use the digital real estate the best way, right? You see that in, even in like the world, right? Like big cities. Well, how do they optimize your, the land area, right? They build skyscrapers, right? All big cities have skyscrapers because that's the best way to use the space you have. So the same thing is going to happen to digital estate on Bitcoin. And it's also a very technical thing of who can have the best techniques to use that real estate and make it optimal for the whole world to use. And so we're showing one broad way of things you can do on how do you can build on Bitcoin this valuable digital real estate with dimensions. So that is actually part of the art. It's beyond the 3D art that you see. So we've shown the 3D art, but we're going to reveal more of that, of what it means. Like basically you're building skyscrapers on Bitcoin. And that's also the art of LCM dimensions. Very cool. I see Star Lordy's sort of pontificating face there as he's sort of processing all this. And he has some really cool sort of tall Japanese buildings on his background for those that are watching the video. You had mentioned earlier, you're a fan of this project. And now that you understand a little bit more about it, did you have any thoughts or questions for Danny? I mean, I think this is exactly why I'm fascinated with OnChain Monkey. You guys are definitely thinking very tech forward and just like what it actually means like in first principles. So I am curious, like, how do you separate the two chains in terms of what your community expectations are? Like, how does that play into how you manage the expectations? Ah, you're talking about like between Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum are very different chains. One's a UTXO model, proof of work. The other one is smart contract, you know, Turing complete type of system, proof of stake. So we'll do the appropriate things on each chain. Right now, we're quite focused on Bitcoin because it is like the protocol is so early. There's so much to do and there's so many opportunities to shape it for a very, I guess, productive or valuable future for the industry, right? So there's so much you know, we're, we're doing there. And things from Ethereum will, will tie In fact, I think one way to look at it also, even though they're very different chains, the things of like DeFi, like minor extractive value type of attacks have been a lot of things we've learned on Ethereum because the smart contract you know, Ethereum, like enable people to build apps and kind of go crazy and to explore and experiment the last couple of years on Ethereum. That hasn't happened yet on Bitcoin. And it won't play out the same way on Bitcoin, but some of those things will be happening on Bitcoin. And so those learnings from Ethereum will apply to, to Bitcoin. And so actually teams that have experience with both chains, Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, which we do, will actually you know, have advantage. Also, it's good for more collaboration between the experts, on, the Bitcoin experts and Ethereum experts to actually you know, collaborate and kind of build the future you know, applications on Bitcoin that can get some of the best of both worlds because they're very different, but they're like combining some of these ideas. Yeah, will make for new things that will create on Bitcoin, quite a bit of value for you know, Bitcoin. Will that have different expectations from the community in terms of utility or like why they should have both chains like in their portfolio? Like, how do you manage that? So we're about on-chain because we can digital artifacts and on-chain is you know the most secure and long-lasting and we're about kind of long-lasting value. So I think for many things we believe are kind of the highest value, long, the thing we want to last the longest, we're going to move over to Bitcoin. So like the Genesis collection will be one that's migrating to Bitcoin from Ethereum. In fact, that was one we inscribed very early on. It's inscription 2021-9, which actually we were able to time it so that it is the exact year and month that 
the original Genesis locked in Ethereum. So 2021 and September. So 2021.9. Inscription 2121.9 is the whole collection of Genesis on Bitcoin. And we're waiting for the protocol upgrade so that the Genesis holders on Ethereum can basically switch over to Bitcoin for that collection. And that is a generative collection done in a very efficient way on Bitcoin. So we did the whole 10,000 collection. And in fact, it was the first 10,000 collection inscribed on Bitcoin. And we did it very quickly and or rather very efficiently without clogging the network. So no one using Bitcoin at the time was bothered by it. And the whole collection with metadata images took less than 20,000 bytes of that. Basically, I was describing the expensive real estate on, on Bitcoin, right? The digital real estate. So it took 20 kilobytes for 10,000 images. So if you divide out over per image, right, it is less than two bytes per image, which is very, very small, right? People wouldn't even believe that you could do it that way. And so that is one example of how you can build these skyscrapers on Bitcoin that are valuable for future creators. Cool stuff. Thanks for your questions, Star Lordy. Was there something else or did you get to most of it covered? All right, good. Because we're getting quite technical here. And <laughs> well, I mean, going back to non-technical, I think Henry has some great points about the importance of reputation and core values for a community, right? So when we launched Onchain Monkey, one of the first things was establishing the core values that we believed in and what our community right, believes in. And we have an acronym for it. It's RISE, R-I-S-E. And people in our community say that every day. And it's R stands for respect, I stands for integrity, S is sustainability, and E is for enrichment. So those are our four core values. And that you know, also shapes our community. And when new people join, they ask, well, why is everyone saying RISE? And then you know, we can explain the values of our community. Nice. I like that. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Danny. It was very enlightening to spend the time with you. Before we wrap with this segment, can you give us some place to send the listeners to find out more about you and what's going on with MetaGood and Onchain Monkey Dimensions, all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think our main Twitter account, Onchain Monkey, is probably gets the most updated stuff every day. And then Discord for getting follow up from our community, from our mods, from our team in there. So those are the best two places. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure and we hope to see you again on the flip side soon. We'll catch you later. Great. All right, guys. Well, we would love to go to our shout out segment now. And our shout out segment allows you to kind of give a shout out to someone you got some respect for or some project or something. What you got on your mind there, Star Lordy, for a shout out? Actually, I do have a shout out I want to make, which is to my boy, Dan Hoban, who is a founder of a project called The Sad Times. He's somebody that we're working with on kind of like our upcoming... Wow, I'm, this is totally a leak now. He actually works in fashion. And, he's just a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy. He's developed a really cool clothing line that's been worn by like really big names like Justin Bieber and Sean White and like kind of the list goes on. But he's a really, really good dude. Has a cool project that I was supportive of when it launched. And I think he's going to do some really cool stuff. I don't know why that popped in my head, but I feel like he's like a classic web three underdog story where it's like super talented super great person very forward thinking and just a great artist which is the type of people we support so i just want to give a shout out a little shine dan hoban all right well it's perfect for this segment because we often give our listeners something to tap into the googles and the twitters and learn about that they might not have heard before so that's that's great all right well that's Pretty much the most of the episode. We're about to wrap here. Closing an outro here. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on there, Star Lordy? Definitely the OniForce website, which is spelled 0n1force.com. And same thing for the Twitter. My Twitter is Star Lordy FTW. Definitely the best place to start. All right. And then we do understand that you're doing a generous giveaway of an NFT from the collection. And so that is very generous. We appreciate it. Great project as we've heard all throughout this episode. So if you're a listener and you're you're interested, if you piqued your interest, you haven't heard of it, or you're waiting for your opportunity to get in, here it is. Go to our socials, go to our Twitters, Edge of NFT Twitter, and keep track of what's going on. And we'll tell you about the giveaway out there. And our newsletter is also a great place to find out about giveaways. Edge of NFT newsletter on Substack. Yeah. Yeah, not financial advice, but this is the OG collection and one of the originals. And 
The floor has been moving up north based on all the exciting things happening in the community. So if this is the community that you want to be part of, that you're excited by what Star Lordi has shared, it's a fantastic opportunity to get into the community without any kind of barriers to entry. So thanks so much for sharing that gift with our community. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for hosting me at the conference too. It was a really great experience. Just happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.